People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Time again for your weekly instalment of Premier League Insights, the betting podcast that analyses pinnacle odds through the lens of InfoGoal's predictive model. We're now ready for game week 17 and with me once again to help uncover the value is is InfoGoal's Jake Oscarthorpe. How's it going, Jake? Yeah, very good, thank you. Uh, another decent weekend for the InfoGoal model, so hopefully we can make it, well, three in a row really. We had a, a good one with the midweek fixtures as well, so... Yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into it. That's it, on a roll. Some lucky listeners and hopefully you carry it on this week. Fingers crossed. Right, we'll dive straight into it with Liverpool versus Watford and kicking the weekend off with top versus bottom. It's not going to get much harder for Nigel Pearson. He's tried to steer Watford clear to safety. Liverpool have won something crazy like 72 out of the last 75 points on offer this season. And earlier on, they were kind of just about doing enough to get those wins, but now they seem to be getting it, getting better and better and they're, they're just clinical in front of goal. Watford, on the other hand, have been completely the opposite. They couldn't score from the chances they created at the start of the season and it's it's seemingly really beginning to cost them now. They've they had a few perform, poor performances in a row. Crystal Palace was another one where they did enough to win. I think it was over one and a half XG to limiting Palace to below kind of 0.2, I think it was. Um but not being able to put the ball in the back of the net just just cost them the three points. So Pinnacle's got Liverpool as heavy, heavy favourites for this one. I'd be interested to know if InfoGold is close to that mark. I think we're about 80%. So whereabouts are you? Yeah, we're not too far away. Yeah, 78% we are um, of a Liverpool win. Like you said, top v bottom. Um, it's one of the best teams in the league, if not the best at the moment, taking on one of the worst. Obviously, there might be a, a new manager bounce. I mean, for me, that's a little bit of a myth anyway. But um, I think Nigel Pearson's the sort of manager that can go in there, get them organised uh, quickly, make them hard to beat and perhaps keep the scoreline down at Anfield, which, um, it, which is the way that we're looking. But yeah, as you said, Liverpool started the season with uh, in terms of picking up points. But perhaps the, the performances didn't warrant them. The, the Southampton away game springs to mind where they were... Um, comfortably second best on expected goals and there's been a couple of other instances where they, perhaps a draw would have been a fairer result but recently they just feel like they've kicked up a gear and um, that's a bit of a worry for the chasing pack really you know, got, gone to uh, Crystal Palace and put in a really good performance comfortably beat Brighton at home um, obviously the Everton home game was a, another one in which they were very comfortable and obviously Bournemouth were, we'll get on to Bournemouth later and how poor they've been, but to go there and win 3-0 in such a comfortable manner is um, is no mean feat. So, yeah, it feels like they've kicked it up a level. Um, the process is getting better as the weeks go on now, which is, like I said, it's worrying for everyone else who's, who's chasing them down. And even more worrying, you could say, is the fact that Jürgen Klopp's been rotating his players as well. So, um, you know, the midweek matches, Salah and Firmino didn't play. Last weekend, Sadio Mane didn't play and uh, he's been able to rotate his central midfield pair in, uh, trio as well. Uh, and they're still make, still winning with pretty much ease at the moment. Any team that they're playing, so um, it'd be interesting to see what lineup he picks for this one. Obviously, this is the last game, Premier League game, before they head off to the Club World Cup, which um, I think they partake in next Wednesday. So it'd be interesting to see if he does choose to perhaps rest a few players ahead of that um, 
ahead of that that tournament trip over to Qatar. I'd be surprised if he did. Um, wanting to go into this game with a uh, or wanting to go into the tournament, the break with with another Premier League win on the under the belt. So yeah, I'm fully expecting a Liverpool win. Like I said, we're a 78 chance. Watford have have shown glimpses of what they're capable of. They were actually really unfortunate against Crystal Palace last weekend. Uh, the Infocom model had them winning the game quite comfortably in, in terms of XG. It was 1.58 to 0.18. Crystal Palace offering next to nothing. I don't know whether that was a, uh, you know due to Palace being pretty poor in attack or whether Watford were just much more solid um, defensively. It's going to be much tougher to keep to contain Liverpool here than it was to contain Crystal Palace. So, yeah, well, like I said, Liverpool fully expected to get the win. In terms of um, in value, we found a little bit of value in looking at under three and a half goals. Um, so maybe a 3-0 home win, perhaps. Um, we're around a 50% chance of both teams to score. So, um, again, there's not too much value in that. If you're wanting something that's maybe a little bit left wing that we found a little bit of value on, is actually opposing goals even lower. So we've said under three and a half is the the main value bet. But if you want to go lower, under two and a half goals, there's, there's some value in that also. I think we're around a 32% chance of under two and a half and the market's around, um, I think it's 28%, something like that. So a little bit of value there. If you can see a, you know, a well-organised Watford team, perhaps frustrating Liverpool a little bit, but it's still been a comfortable Liverpool win. I think that that's the way to go in this one. It's just, uh, you know, how many games Liverpool can win in a row at the minute. Uh, yeah. 17 wins, 17 games, 16 wins. I can see after this one. Yeah, it's getting getting a bit ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Just hand them the title. I mean, we, we wanted a title race, didn't we, at the start of the season, and it's just turned into a bit of a procession. Well, since that, since they turned over City, they've gone, they've beaten Palace, Brighton, Everton, Bournemouth. They've now got Watford, and you just get the feeling it's it's one of those runs that if they get through all of that with five wins out of five, I know their schedule kind of stacks up and the fixtures get a little bit more difficult, but just the the gap they're opening up, it's, it's going to be very difficult to close for anyone, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And like you said, the schedule ramps up in terms of um, number of games. Obviously, they've got the um, the League Cup and then the day after they've got the Club World Cup. There'll be two separate teams playing there. But then they come back from the Club World Cup and they've got Leicester away, which is, you know, by that point, Leicester will have played another game. Say Leicester win two of their games. That, put, that would put them five points behind Liverpool going to that game, which would make that game really interesting. Um but if they can come through that unscathed, then I think that's pretty much game over, really. But of course, Leicester aren't a title contender, are they, Jake? No, no, no. <laughs> They're happy to finish in the top four. We'll get on to them soon enough. But next up, we've got Burnley versus Newcastle. And feel a bit for Burnley. They're on the receiving end of a clinical Tottenham side at the weekend. They, Tottenham deserved the win, but it was nowhere near a 5-0 game. I mean, 2 or 3-1, probably a fair result. But when you're playing against someone that can run pretty much the length of the pitch and then calmly slot the ball in the net, there's not a lot you can do, is there? Um, Yet another game for Newcastle, lost on XG, but came away with three points when they beat Southampton. Still hovering around the bottom three of the expected points table, but as those wins, fortunate wins, begin to stack up and they get a few points, they're going to be moving closer and closer to safety. And you feel like it might just be one of those seasons where they get away with one. Uh, for this one, I mean, for me and a lot of people, I guess, Burnley look like much the better team than Newcastle, but it's it's Steve Bruce's side who sit above them in the table. So is there any value in taking the home side to get the win here? Um, yes, we think there's a, a real chunk of value, really, in, uh, in terms of backing Burnley. Uh, you mentioned there that they've had, that's, what was it 5-0 at the weekend against Tottenham. It wasn't a 5-0 game. And 
it's the sort of thing that's been happening to Burnley uh, really. It was the same with Manchester City when they lost 4-1. That was arguably should have been maybe closer to 2 or or 3. Um, yeah, that, they're, they're a side that are performing extremely well um, given the resources they've got and um, they're still churning out a process that puts them in the top half of Infidel's expected goals table. So, um, yeah, this is a side that shouldn't, shouldn't be slept on at all even though they have conceded nine goals in the last two matches. Um, in terms of like I said, expected goals. The process is, is really good. Still 1.5 expected goals for, 1.37 against. So they're creating good chances and, and conceding few. And that's and that shown when you look at the non-penalty big chances created and they, they sit fourth in that table behind Man City, Chelsea and Everton. So no problems creating chances, um, especially at home as well. You just have to look at the, the, the home form. And if you take the Manchester City result out there, they've, they've been playing exceptionally well in front of their own fans. Um, Especially defensively, actually, in, uh, in terms of expected goals allowed, um, that 1.37 that was said before that reduces to 1.19 in terms of home matches. So they give up a little bit less when playing at home. Um, like I said, they create big chances, and they're playing a Newcastle team that just define expected goals at the minute. And to be fair, it's something that they've done for the last three seasons now. Even when uh, Rafa Benitez was in charge, they ranked as one of the worst teams in the league on expected goals, but but still survived quite comfortably. Um, they, they've just been extremely clinical right now, and, and that sort of clinicalness is 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 it, not sustainable over the course of the season. And it, it's only a matter of time for me, anyway, that that results start regressing to what would be expected. And you know, that, that's they had those two wins that were deserved wins against West West Ham and Bournemouth, and since then they've been really on the wrong side of expected goals, and um, to the point where you know, they've only created more than one expected goals once in the last four games, and that came against Southampton. Uh, they, Like you said, they still sit... Well, we've got the bottom in our expected goals table in terms of expected points. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a Newcastle team that are performing pretty poorly in terms of process. Um, 0.99 expected goals for per game they're averaging, which is the joint lowest in the league with Crystal Palace, who I'm looking forward to getting on to later. Um, and defensively, 1.86 expected goals against. So, this is... A team that if they carry on playing the way they are, they'll start to just completely fall down the table. And a little bit of a blow just before we start recording that um, Alan St. Maxman picked up an injury that will put him out for a month. He was looking like a um, you know a really good outlet and a good threat throughout the you know those last six games. Obviously, he tore West Ham to pieces in the London Stadium without a um, any end products, but he managed to get himself an assist at the weekend. Um, so yeah. Like, for for me, this is a top half team playing a relegation fretted team. When you look at the um, expected goals process, and it's only a matter of time before Newcastle um, come back down to earth a little bit, and the, the results start sh- reflecting the the poor performances that they are putting in. Um, like I said, Burnley, we, we think there's a chunk of value. We're around forty nine percent on the market, and we, we've got given them a fifty eight percent chance of getting the win. Um, I also think there's, there's well, we calculate that there's value in, in backing goals as well, so. We're given a 56% chance of over two and a half goals compared to around 50% on the market. So perhaps a high score in Burnley winning this one. Yeah, I was interested to see the the over-under under market at 2 and 2.5. Initially money coming in on the over, but as you said, news is broken about Alan St. Maximani's. Newcastle don't offer much going forward, but he's literally the the threat they have, I think. So he's definitely going to be missed. And I was just going to ask, potentially, do you think there's any chance of Newcastle being the new Burnley, if you will, from, from a couple of seasons ago? Um, 
Well, if if they do become the new Burnley, then at some point it will catch up with them, like it did in the first half of last season for Burnley. Um, you know, they, remember they were in the bottom three at Christmas time, and Sean Dyche just changed things up a little bit and started playing a, um, a different style of football, being a bit more attacking, and the process increased and they could start getting results. So it'll come to a point where they can ride this look for maybe another 10, 15 games perhaps and, and get themselves to safety. But if they carry on doing what they're doing at some point in the near future, it will catch up with them and they will start um, regressing them and falling into where we expect them to be, which is a relegation battle. Right, we'll move swiftly on to Chelsea versus Bournemouth. Another slip up from Chelsea at the weekend and teams below them seem to be stacking up and it feels like those kind of results could really cost them and you have to say, kind of, despite where Everton are or, or where in the table, me and you know, and people listening listening to this will know that they're a pretty good side. But Chelsea still didn't they didn't cause them too much trouble, and they might have had an eye on the Champions League in midweek. They're obviously through that now, and they've got Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth, I guess, are, they're going to be hoping of a repeat performance from what we saw last time Chelsea came out of the Champions League, that lethargic display against West Ham. And for Bournemouth themselves, I think there's going to be some alarm bells ringing there. They, they, I mean, it's a weird one. I kind of joked about it on the podcast, but they don't really seem to have much of an identity at the moment. They've they've struggled going forward quite a few times this season, which is very unlike them. It was a couple of shots on target, 0.14 xg in front of their own fans, albeit against Liverpool. But how do you rate their chances of getting something out of this game? Um, well, the the Infogon model thinks that they've got a better chance of getting something than what the market suggests. And I think part of that is due to the fact that the um, the Infocol rating for Bournemouth hasn't quite yet caught up with what's happening right now. Obviously, they come into this game on the back of five defeats and five really poor performances in which they've deserved nothing. Um, but with in terms of the rating, we saw, we calculated it on a previous 30 games and with it weighted towards um, the, the most recent 15. So at the moment, it's still cashing up with the cycle of Bournemouth being pretty poor, which is why we're getting... Um, a little bit of value in siding with Bournemouth. I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone backing, uh, getting on board with Bournemouth in this game, just purely based on what we've seen in, in the last five games. I think that's a pretty decent enough sample size to um, to suggest that they are perhaps, like you said, losing their identity and um, and becoming a team that are getting embroiled in a relegation battle. I mean, they're only one point above the relegation zone at the moment after those five defeats, and you know. He's, you can look at the fixtures and say, well, they've had pretty tough games. You know, they've played Wolves, Tottenham and, and Liverpool in the last five games. They've now got Chelsea. But either side of those, they've played Newcastle and Crystal Palace, two teams that, that Infogol ranked really low um, in our XG table. And, and they've performed, well, really poor in both matches. So um, there's something wrong there at Bournemouth. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, but there is something seriously wrong there. And this is probably the last game that they would want. Um, barring obviously Manchester City at home, is to go to Stamford Bridge, a place where Chelsea have been like really sensational, really, in um, throughout this the season so far. Obviously, we discussed the Everton Chelsea game last week, and we rightly pointed out that there was value in back in Everton. But um, I didn't think Chelsea would be that poor in terms of the performance. I think you might be onto something, saying that they may be holding something back for the Champions League game, in which they needed to win to qualify. Um, but yeah, prior to that. The, um, the home performances have been fantastic. Even even the, in the one 0 defeat against West Ham, they were much the better team um, over the course of the ninety minutes, creating great chances. And yeah, their the process at home is is like I said, fantastic. Two point five one expected goals four per game, which is the second best in the league behind only Manchester City. 
Um, and they're allowing just 0.95 expected goals against. So um, this is a really strong home team that creating plenty of chances. Um, obviously, Tammy Abraham's back in the team. Uh, scored against Aston Villa. He scored again in, in midweek against Lille. Uh, he's obviously their biggest threat. And I think he, he's really, he is missed when he's not in the team. So having him back fit is huge. Bournemouth, defensively, they are one of the worst teams in the league in terms of expected goals against. 1.76 they're allowing, which is slowly creeping up. And their expected goals for is actually creeping down. Uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, it was around 1.5. It's now 1.29. So what we're seeing is a, a sustained period of, of Bournemouth's really poor attacking play. Um, you look at the last four, 0.98 against Wolves, 1.2 against Spurs, 0.4 against Crystal Palace and 0.14 against Liverpool. So they really are struggling to create chances. I feel like Eddie Howes perhaps doesn't know what, what his best team is at the moment. He's struggling to find a balance um, and he's getting it really wrong at the minute in terms of um, you know, looking for defensive solidity and, and trying to find the, the right attacking formula. So uh, for me, anyway, like I said, I, I could not be getting on side with Bournemouth in this one. Uh, they are very unpredictable. They're quite streaky. When they, they're playing well, they'll churn off three or four good results. But when they're playing badly, they're side just to get against. And um, Although there is a small amount of value there, I, I wouldn't recommend going for it. Instead, we're, we're looking at both teams to score. And, and part of that is down to the fact that while Bournemouth have looked pretty poor def um, going forward recently, Chelsea's defence has been... Um, looking equally as poor. You only had to watch the Everton game to see how many easy chances they gave up. The the second goal in particular, where two defenders were trying to tackle Calvert-Lewin, with the ball bouncing, and, and somehow he's managed to wriggle himself into a goal-scoring position from there. Um, simple errors like that, and obviously it doesn't help when Kepa just passes the ball to the Everton players. Um, but yeah, they, they still look vulnerable. They're still giving up good chances in matches, and I think both teams to score is, is a, a decent play in this one. We're around 58% chance of that happening and around 57% on the market. So there's a bit of value in that. Um, that's that's the way I'd be playing in this one anyway. Yeah, no surprise to see the goal mark fairly high in this one at 3 and 3.5. And as you'd expect, betters taking or, or keen on the over at the moment. Potentially, you'd say you're trying to work out what's gone wrong with Bournemouth. Maybe any chance you think Eddie Howe beginning to think about potential move to Everton or Arsenal? Could that be a, a reason? Um, well, if he's thinking about that, I'd tell him to stop because he'd be a really poor appointment for any of the above, in my opinion. Um, why, why would you go in and appoint a manager that's lost his last five games or, or one in nine? It doesn't make any sense. He's not doing his reputation any good, is he? No, not at all. Um, you know, even we've seen what Bournemouth are capable of in the last few seasons, but even then, it's been um, you know, there's been a bit of luck involved. There's been uh, he's had like teams that have been free scoring and, and getting positive variance when the the games are three two and his side nick nick the third goal for a winner, but yeah, what is what we've seen this season is what, four wins in sixteen, not the sort of return that you'd expect of a manager that would then be poached by a, a team looking to finish in a lot higher in the league than Bournemouth. So yeah, he he just needs to concentrate on Bournemouth. Well, it's strange. You, I mean, I completely agree with you in the fact that they're they're streaky, they're unpredictable, but they almost seem to be one of the most predictable teams in the in the sense that you know they're going to finish between kind of twelfth and sixteenth every season. Yeah, yeah. I think this if if they carry on the way they're going, then they will finish lower than that this season, just purely because they are they are trending in a seriously bad direction. 
Um, at the minute, they're 15th in our expected goals table, but if they carry on performing the way they are, then they will slowly start slipping down there and they'll be contending with the likes of Newcastle and Norwich in terms of expected points. So um, things have got to change fast. They're one of the teams that are, I'd probably say them, them West Ham. Um, they're, they're the two teams that I'm looking at and I'm, I'm a little bit worried for in terms of getting sucked into a relegation battle. And they're two teams that do need to start looking at what they can do to change change things and just try and improve the process in whatever way they can. Right, now we've got Leicester versus Norwich and a lot of people continue to write Le- Leicester offers, title contenders, including you, including me. But with each game that goes by, you have to admit they do look better and better. We know Aston Villa are poor at the back, but racking up 4.53 XG is still very impressive. Um I think Norwich are going to be really worried about this game and really worried about the rest of the season. It was a pretty even match for them against Sheffield United. They were unlucky to lose, but we're approaching the halfway mark of the season. Their attacking threat seems to have dried up a little bit. They consistently give up good chances at the back. No surprise here that Leicester are very clear favourites for this. Maybe towards the goal market, is there anything that jumps out as a value play for you? Yeah, we are looking at the goal market. Um, we think the 1x2 is priced up pretty much accurately. We're we're 75% chance of a home win and uh, the market's 79%. So we're not too far away. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still adamant that Leicester won't win the title this season. I'll happily be proved wrong for another fairy tale. But I just think the way that Liverpool are going at the minute, it's going to be really hard for them to, to keep up. Um, like I said, that Boxing Day game is going to be crucial. I think Liverpool can go there and get a point, then um, I think it's game over. Um, and Mark Taylor ran, the, ran our, our Sims for the Premier League winner, the percentage chance. And we, we've got Liverpool up to 85% chance of winning the Premier League now. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to back against them from what we've seen. But like you said, Leicester have been sensational recently. And we started at uh, you know, the start of the season when they were playing well and they were winning games and they were up there in the top four. We were saying that the process wasn't as good as what the results were reflecting. Well, now, um, now we're seeing that the results are getting the pop, sorry the performances are getting better. The process is is increasing and getting better week on week, um, which is a worry for the for the chasing pack. And it's you know it's something that I did I wrote about in in an article that you know while while the, the minute the performances aren't being very well aren't being very good, if they can just keep getting the wins. I was quite confident that Brendan Rodgers would be able to coach this team and, and improve them um, week on week and, and would slowly start to see an in, incline in, in process. And that's what we've seen. You know, Like you said, another another game in which they recorded over four expected goals. That's the third time this season. Um, in that Brighton away, Villa away and Southampton away. Uh, and in between the Brighton and the Villa games, they've had two really comfortable home wins in which they've wrapped up over two expected goals. So they're really kicking into gear, the firing on all cylinders. And, you know, I think continuity helps with when, when you're having success. And Brendan Rodgers doesn't really have to change his team week in, week out. Um, you know, they're very settled, really impressive going forward recently. Like I said, they're just creating chance after chance after chance at the minute. And, um, you know, they're expected goals four per game. It was 1.17. Um, about, I think maybe game week five, game week six, it's now up to 1.96. So they really are racking up the chances. And, you know, the, there was a big differential between the goals scored, um, which I think was maybe 29 compared to the 17 expected goals or something like that. And that is slowly being eat, eaten into as well. So it's now 39 goals, 31 expected goals. It's, it's still overperforming, but um, not to a level that is, you know, you perhaps look at and say they've been extremely fortunate. So um, things are looking really positive for Leicester. And 
like I said, I, I'm not going to say that they're going to go and um, win the league. I don't think they will, but they'll be Liverpool's closest content, uh, closest challenges if they keep playing the way they are. Uh, most impressive for me has been the defensive process. Obviously, ripped out. Harry Maguire was ripped out of the heart of the defence and, and it doesn't seem to have made a, uh, an issue at all. Um, Sion Chu's come in and, and played fantastically and they actually boast the best defensive record in the league um, after 16 games, allowing just 1.05 expected goals against. Um, and they, they play against one of the worst attacking teams in the league according to expected goals. And in this match, and obviously, whenever you speak about Norwich or whenever you talk to people about Norwich, they say, oh yeah, you know, they're great going forward, they're really dynamic. And, and they are to the eye, but in terms of actually creating good quality chances, it's something that they don't do very regularly. They're averaging just 1.13 expected goals for per game this season, which is really low for a team that everyone seems to have the perception of that they're, they're a really strong attacking team. Um, I think they'll struggle to create chances here against Leicester. And you know, only, only Crystal Palace have created fewer non-penalty big chances than Norwich this season, which is, um, you know, shows you just how, how much they are struggling and how fortunate they are to have scored as many goals as they have so far this season. So, um, yeah, for me, like I said, we're, we're pretty much in line with the 1x2. I think this could be a difficult game for Norwich. I think they're probably going to end up on the, uh, on the end of another pretty heavy defeat. Um, but we're looking at uh, both teams to score no in this. I think Leicester have got, you know, they've got really, really strong capability of keeping Norwich out. Obviously, they had recent wins, 2-0 home wins against Arsenal. Um, Watford obviously went to Crystal Palace, 1-2-0, went to Brighton, 1-2-0. So they, they do keep clean sheets pretty regularly, or they have done anyway this, um, recently. And we're 57% chance of both teams to score no, compared to around 51% on the market. So we've got a decent bit of value there. So if you want something a little bit bigger, um, Leicester to win to nil is... Um, is odds against, which I think is a really good bet for this one. Um, and yeah, just outside of this game as well, I think credit where credit's due. You, we we did a preseason podcast with Mark from Info Goal as well, and I I seem to remember you suggesting a certain Jamie Vardy could be a good bet for top goal scorer. So I bet you're interested to see where that one goes. Yeah, it's looking pretty good right now. Um, what's he got? Five goal, five goal head start um, or five goal lead now, which is yeah, it's more than I would have expected, but. Funny thing with Jamie Vardy is I wrote a, um, a top scorer article for him for goal probably last international break and basically flagged up any uh, warning about about how hot he was running and, uh, and potentially looking at backing someone else to be the top scorer. Um, and since then, he's basically just scored in every game and um, he seems to be getting on the end of more chances more regularly, which is um, worrying for that article, but really positive for the season uh, article, which, you know, he's... Probably a, a better better reference. He's 16 goals, 10 expected goals. So he, he's he's still running hot. But prior to the um, this hot streak that he's had in terms of scoring goals, he was running even hotter. So yeah, it, it's hard to look past him now. And it seems as though he's scoring every game. Um, just extremely clinical. He's Leicester's biggest threat. So all the chances are going to fall to him. Which yeah, looks good for the uh, the preseason bet. Well, the smart betters might hedge out or trade out on their bets. You can you can do the same on your articles. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that's what I did in, in theory. Yeah, um, I think at the time he was uh, I think he was only one goal ahead of uh, of Tammy Abraham. So yeah, that that gap's widened considerably. Right now we've got Sheffield United versus Aston Villa, and we just said in the previous game that Sheffield United were a bit fortunate to get that win against Norwich and. I mean, that's been the story of their season, really. Eighth in the table, playing more like a team in the, the bottom half, probably edging towards the relegation zone. 
Villa's position is more in line with what would be expected from their performances. And, and while that defeat against Leicester isn't the worst thing in the world, it's the the manner in which the defeat came about that's going to hurt for them. So do you think they can bounce back here and get a win against Sheffield United? Um, we think they can bounce back. We're not too confident on them getting the, the three points. Um, like, yeah, we, obviously you've said it there, Sheffield United have been fortunate over the course of the season so far, um, mainly defensively, actually, allowing just 16 goals from 22 expected goals. So um, that was the case again last week against Norwich. 0.83 expected goals and managed to score twice from that to get themselves a win. Um, but on the whole, I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen. And, um, you know, they sit 13th in our expected goals table. And I think if you'd have said to Blades fans at the start of the season that you'd finish 13th, I think they'd be over the moon with that, really. Um, there's There's been a few chinks in the armour recently. Obviously, the, the game against Newcastle was was it was the first defeat in seven, I ended a seven-match unbeaten run. And although it was an unfortunate unfortunate loss it was a game in which they did struggle to carve out big chances um and to be to be fair to villa that's something that they haven't struggled with so far this season so um you know the sheffield united 19 big chances created so far this season in, in 17 games which you know there's, there's only three four five teams um that have performed worse in that category um, but on the whole, been pretty impressed. And defensively, they look they look pretty solid. They've allowed just 1.39 expected goals against per game, which is really good for a, a team that's newly promoted. Um, and it's something that Aston Villa would be would happy to swap um, Sheffield, with Sheffield United over. Um, but yeah, last week was just a you know, it was one of those games for Villa where they played the wrong team at the wrong time. Uh, Leicester were went into the game extremely hot and just carried on and just they basically opened them up at will, really. Um, allowing four expected goals or four and a half even um, two expected goals before that 2.2 against Manchester United before that just yeah it, it's basically been a, a tough season for Villa defensively anyway 2.25 expected goals per game is what is what they're averaging which is one of the highest in the league um, if not the highest at this stage yeah it is, it is the worst defensive record in the league that um, and it's reflected in the, the amount of big chances they're allowing as well which is 31, um, bettered only by West Ham. You'd be pleased to know, Ben. Um, so, yeah, Villa are a team that really struggle defensively. Um, I will defend them a little bit in the sense that the, this poor run that they've had recently, uh, they've, been, you know, they've played some really top-end teams, Liverpool, Wolves, Manchester United, Chelsea and Leicester. Um, you know, the draw at Manchester United was a good result. But, you know, in between that, you have to look at the game that they did win, which was against Newcastle, a team that is... You know, rated as a bottom half team by Infogol. So um, that suggests to me that potentially they they can turn things around against um, against the lesser likes or at least be a bit more competitive, um, which gives me a bit of hope in, in, in this game for Villa. You know, the other reason to be hopeful is the fact that they are they are one of the better, um, better attacking teams of, of the, the bottom, uh, in the bottom half, shall I say. So they're averaging 1.52 expected goals for... Um, so compare that to teams in and around them, like your Newcastle's at 0.99, Crystal Palace at 0.99, uh, Watford at 1.23. So they're creating better chances uh, more regularly than than teams that they'll perhaps be competing with when it comes to um, staving off relegation. And only Burnley, Wolves, Everton, Chelsea and Manchester City have created more non-penalty big chances than Aston Villa. So they've got no issues going forward. Um, their issues are defensively. So, you know, I'm expecting quite an entertaining game here. I think there'll be goals... Uh, at both ends, Infogol agrees. Uh, we're around a 50, 52, 53% of chance of both teams to score. There's not too much value in uh, in backing that. 
But yeah, back in Aston Villa or the draw is, is where we're looking at this one. Markets around uh, uh, 50% chance of Villa getting something from the game, and we're at 55%. So there's a small, small amount of value in, in that. And I think if they are to get something from the game, it will be in a, a high scoring draw rather than them going to Bramall Lane and getting the win. Now we've got Southampton versus West Ham and the games seem to be tying together nicely on this week's podcast because we just talked about Sheffield United being one of the luckier teams this season. Now we've got one of the unluckiest teams in Southampton. They're currently in the relegation zone, but a top half team based on their performances so far. And they seem to have had a lot of games like the one against Newcastle where they've just edged the game in terms of the chances created, but their their opponents managed to get the win. Um, I think the the likelihood of them creating chances this weekend is is pretty high because they've got one of, I was going to say, if not the worst defence, but you've clarified that for me, that Aston Villa are just below West Ham in that regard. We've we've come to expect them to be open at the back, but normally they've got a, a decent attacking process to kind of counter, counterbalance that to some degree, but they're struggling on that front as well this season. And I'm sure the the club view now and, and certainly the fan view is it's, it's probably just a case of hoping that there are, are three teams worse than them this season or, or someone that's better than them that just don't doesn't have things fall their way. Southampton could obviously be one of those teams, but if they get a win here, West Ham are in, they're in big, big trouble. So what does Infogol think will happen? Uh, we think West Ham are going to be in big, big trouble. I didn't want to ask, but I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've got um, a small amount of value in, on the Southampton win. They're around 51% on the market. We're giving them a 54% chance. Uh, of getting the three points as lacks a small value. Um, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head in both cases, really. Southampton are one of the most unlucky teams in the league. Um, they sit 10th in our expected goals table, so are un- unlucky to be third from bottom. The process is strong, 1.59 uh, expected goals for, 1.79 against. So they're creating good chances regularly. And, and recently, when the schedule eased up for them, they've conceded a lot less expected goals per game. Uh, 0.64 against Watford, 0.88 against Norwich, um, 1.29 against Newcastle. And all three of those teams are in and around West Ham in terms of expected position. West Ham are third, ranked third in the expected goals table. So um, Southampton will be fancying the chances. Obviously, the two wins recently have come at home in games which they fully deserve to get the three points. And yeah, they'll be looking forward to playing West Ham. Um, West Ham are really poor against Arsenal, I thought, even in the first half when they went in 1-0 up, I thought they were really poor. They didn't really create too many good chances going forward and then within 10 minutes they were 3-1 down and the game was over and that's sort of been the story of West Ham's season. Um, defensively, just a mess. Uh, 2.11 expected goals against per game is is the second worst in the in the Premier League. Um, even worse than Norwich, who, who obviously are ranked as one of the worst teams in the league defensively. And like I said, in terms of non-penalty big chances conceded, they are out, <laughs> out on their own, really. The 37 non-penalty big chances conceded so far this season, which is six more than second place Aston Villa, which shows you just how much how many problems that, the, that West Ham have. And I think, to be fair, it is probably about time to part ways with Manuel Pellegrini. I know we had this discussion a little bit before, but for me, he's, he's taken them as far as, as, far as he can at, how can he fix this, really? Um, he's not renowned for his defensive um, you know, intuition or his, his defensive mindset of trying to organise a team. He's more renowned for playing open, expansive football like he did at Manchester City, Real Madrid and Malaga. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure he's the right man for the West Ham job right now. 
but I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Being a West Ham fan, time to go. Unfortunately, you never you never want to say it, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Attacking processes, partly down to the players on the pitch. It's his mindset doesn't lend itself to to setting up and being difficult to beat, and that's exactly what we're seeing on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, their the attacking process has really dwindled in the last uh, month or so as well. 0.47 against Burnley, 0.74 against Spurs, 1.24 against Chelsea, 0.6 against Wolves, 0.68 against Arsenal. Um, and while I appreciate that that's a tough run of fixtures, uh, especially the last four, still, you know, they have got attacking players, they've got attacking talent. They spent a lot of money on, on you know, good players like your Felipe Andersons, Yarmolenko, Sebastian Haller, Pablo Fornals, and you're just not, they're not getting anything from them. And, um, it, I think new ideas are needed in that team. Um, yeah, get David Moyes back. Um, but that, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of clubs fighting for him at the moment. I'm not quite sure why. Competition from Everton, I yes. think, for that one. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the playing this one from an Impacol perspective is just to back a home win. Uh, Southampton really strong at home. Process has been really good in front of their own fans. Coming off the back of two wins, um, you know, at St Mary's, and, and they're playing a West Ham team that just gift chances. So Southampton to win is is, is my bet in that one. Yeah, the market at Southampton just over fifty percent, draw at just under twenty five, and West Ham twenty five themselves. And I think that's a fair reflection of not where they are in the table, but but how both teams have performed over the the course of the season so far. Manchester United versus Everton is our next game, and we did say last week that things would look a lot different for Manchester United if they got a win at the weekend, and it feels like. Since he got made that permanent manager, Solskjaer's now actually got a bit of breathing space for the first time in months. Maybe things are about to turn around for them. If they keep things tight at the back like they have, you've got to think about Pogba coming back and maybe adding a bit more creativity. That top four spot looks like it could well be within reach. But if they are to get there, they need to string some results together. And this weekend is, I mean, it'd be a good place to start, but it's going to be a difficult test against Everton. They have been pretty unfortunate this season with results a big win for them at the weekend and and they'll be hopeful that that the results begin to match the process that we saw earlier in the season do you think that can Everton get anything from this game or or will Manchester United keep that push for the top four going um I'd say that the Everton's chances of getting something from the game definitely increased with um you know a new new coach interim albeit with Duncan Ferguson there for the time being Uh, but new coach new ideas um just set different setup. Um, players like a change from time to time, and I think that is something that definitely went in Everton's favour. And, and if Marco Silva was in charge, I would have been probably advising, you know, getting on Man- on side with Manchester United. But um, yeah, I've still got still got reservations about Manchester United, especially in these sorts of games. Because if you look at the, the games that they've played against the top teams, um, you know, they've beaten Chelsea, they've, beat, uh, they've drawn with Wolves. They're the only team to take a point off Liverpool so far. They beat Spurs, they beat Manchester City, they're drawn with Arsenal. So they're actually unbeaten against teams that are at the top end of the table. Oh, they beat Leicester as well. So they're they are really, really good against teams that are um, you know, the best teams in the league that actually open up and try and take Manchester United on. I think that plays straight into the hand of the counter-attacking abilities of United. And these sort of games against teams that are happy to sit in and, and let Manchester United dominate the football are uh, games at this show. I mean, you only have to look at the last two games before the two big wins against Sheffield and Aston Villa, who did exactly that and just said, right, come on, break us down. Um, and, you know, they, while they did score goals, for the most part, they did look second best. And, um, you know, I'd be interested to see what happens What happens in this game. Everton will play on the front foot. They'll play a high-press game like they did against Chelsea. And that could play into United's hands. But whether they're a as a Man City or a Tottenham will, you know, 
remains to be seen. They just somehow keep getting penalties, Manchester United, don't they? Um, you know, the, the one against Tottenham, one against Manchester City. I think I think the tally now is probably over double double figures for total penalties. You'd have to say unsustainable uh, over the course of the season. If, if, if I think it is around ten, um, you know, feel free to correct me, but I think it is around ten that they've got in sixteen games, which is, you know, that is a staggering amount of penalties in a short space of time, and that is where the majority of their expected goals is coming from at the minute, which is a little bit of a worry going uh, going forward. But I think that's why Paul Pogba is a huge addition to this Manchester United team when he does come back into it, because. Like I said, that while they do struggle to break down the teams that are just to sit in, I think he's a player that could perhaps make that a little bit easier. Um, we're around 49% chance of a Man United win. The market's at 53, so there's not too many value in backing the home in. Um, the big question with Everton is who's going to be in charge of this game? Well, obviously, we discussed the Chelsea game last week while Marco Silva was in charge and he got sacked you know, hours later or maybe it was a day later. Um, and obviously, Duncan Ferguson came and did a really good job, got his team psyched up for the game. They played like a you know an Everton team of old uh, that you would expect to see Everton play under the likes of David Moyes. Um, hard to be organised, direct. And Chelsea couldn't live with them. And I think if they play, if, if Duncan Ferguson is in charge for this game, I would actually fancy Everton getting something here. Uh, I think that the way that they played in that game against Chelsea would be really well suited to this Manchester United team. Um, yeah, I, I would fancy the chances, but I think the. The play, for, for uh, from my perspective anyway, is to look at both teams to score in this. I think it's it's, it's fairly short. It's around 58% chance um, uh, on the market, which is, you know, it's, it's relatively short, but we're around a 60% chance of it happening. So there's a small amount of value in there. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, it happens regularly in both of these teams' matches because they are, you know, they're pretty good going forward. They create chances. Everton at 1.61 expected goals for Manchester United at 1.81, so both create chances uh, on a regular basis. But defensively, the you know the gaps have been there recently. <clears throat> Manchester United haven't kept clean sheet in the last six. Um, Everton haven't kept clean sheet in the last six. So yeah, everything for me in this one points to both teams to score, and that's that's the bet for this one. Well, we've got Solskjaer at Man United, Lampard at Chelsea, Jumberg at Arsenal, Duncan Ferguson at Evans. So I don't know. If I'm just getting old, if I'm in a time machine or a football manager simulation, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, all we need now is is um, Zabaleta in at Man City. Yeah, I'll take De Canio at West Ham, I think, see yeah. what happens with that. Yeah. <laughs> Our next game is Wolves versus Tottenham, and I've got this one down as being what should be a very good game. Wolves fully deserve to be in sixth in the table, but if they lose this, they could drop down to mid-table. Brighton away is a bigger challenge than it once was and Wolves probably deserve to get more out of that than the point that they came away with. Tottenham, meanwhile, as we said earlier, they were clinical against Burnley. Obviously, started a bit slow under Mourinho in a couple of games, but in this that one, they were two up inside 10 minutes. And although the scoreline was flattering, they did still dominate a Burnley team that had been tough to beat this season. The betting market is siding with Tottenham in this, but it looks like a close one to call. Is there any value on offer for you, do you think? Yeah, we've we found a huge amount of value in, in the home side here. We We've got these two rated evenly, um, perhaps even Wolves rated higher than Tottenham over the last um, year and a half, including the home advantage. That means that we've got Wolves as strong favourites to win this compared to um, compared to the market, which has got Tottenham at 43%. Uh, we've got Wolves at 44%, so there's a huge deal of value there. And the reason behind that is just, just how consistent they've been, not only with the results that they're getting, obviously they're on an 11-match unbeaten run, but with the performances they're putting in, they're getting better week by week and at the start of the season there was a little bit of a wobble and the process took a while to get going but the you know the process is now at a level 
that we saw for the entirety of last season. Uh, they're averaging 1.63 expected goals for, 1.31 against. So they are really performing like a top six team. And, you know, we've seen Leicester go in there and break the mould. It wouldn't be surprised if Wolves did the same and, and two of the top six were, were left missing out. Um, as the table stands, obviously, that it would be Tottenham and Arsenal. And this is a great game for Wolves to stamp their authority on that. And, yeah, I just think, I, I really like watching Wolves. I think they're one of the most organised teams in the Premier League. Everyone knows their, their job. Everyone knows how they're going to set up, but teams still struggle to beat them. And they've got really talented footballers. And this is a really dangerous game for Tottenham. And <clears throat> we've seen what they've done recently since Mourinho came in. You know, they've picked up uh, four wins from six games in all competitions. But if you just look at the teams that they've beat, West Ham, Olympiacos, Bournemouth and Burnley, it's not exactly the <clears throat> the best teams in the uh, that they could possibly face. And they've created good chances against all of those teams. But they're, they're, they are teams that concede good chances, you know. West Ham and Bournemouth are among the two of the worst teams in the league at the moment in terms of expected form. Um, Burnley are just coming off the back of 4-1 hammering at Manchester City. Um, Olympiacos are no great shakes, but you look at the two games in which they'd lost cons- convincingly. Obviously, the Bayern Munich game, they arrested players, but that was a, a comfortable defeat. And then the game at Manchester United against a team that actually does have a, a decent defensive process. Tottenham really struggled to, to cause them problems and break them down and create chances. Just 0.96 in that in that game, and that was also away from home. So I think that's probably the best indicator of what we can expect from Tottenham in this game. Um, everyone will point to obviously the fact that Wolves played in the Europa League on Thursday, but that hasn't really hindered them this season. They've only lost one game um, out of I think it's seven um, after a Europa League game on a Thursday, and obviously they were already qualified when they played at Besiktas on Thursday. So you know it's, it's a comfortable the rest of players. Diego Jota did uh, come on for the last half an hour, scored a couple of goals. He's in great form at the minute. But for the most part, Wolves rested players and I think that's going to be a huge positive for them coming into this game. And like I said, I, I can see Tottenham struggling to break Wolves down. Wolves have got a fantastic record against the big teams because the counter-attacking style that they play suits playing against teams that like to have a go at them. And I, I just think this is a really good bet. A 44% chance of Wolves win, huge value. If you want something a little bit safer, Wolves or the draw, that's huge value in that as well. We've got that around 70%. Yeah, I must admit, surprising to see Wolves at 3.30 at home. So just under kind of 30% chance there. Outside of, the, outside of the game, we kind of, we talked about Eddie Howe a bit earlier. Do you think Wolves fans have any reason to worry about Nuno Espirito Santo going anywhere? Probably not, no. Um, I think he, he looks, Wolves is a fantastic project. Obviously, he's picked them up in the championship and carried them into the Premier League and done really well with them. And, you know, is is Arsenal or Everton more appealing? For me, no. I would I'd much much rather stay in um, uh, manage Wolves. He, he's pretty much got an open checkbook there from um, from the backers, and he's obviously got his his links with um, Jorge Mendes. He gets his Portuguese players in. Um, would you go to Everton and Arsenal? Where you're going to get pelters? Whatever happens, probably not. I'd be more than happy if I was Nuno just to sit at Wolves. Like I said, they've got a great chance of finishing the top six this season. That would be an improvement on last season, which. Many thought wouldn't have happened. Um, yeah, they, for me, they're in a much better place than both Arsenal and Everton. So if I was new, I'd be sitting, sitting pretty and um, waving at Duncan Ferguson. Right, so we'll move on to Arsenal versus Manchester City. And after nine games without a win, a fair few podcasts of highlighting the issues. Arsenal finally got themselves another win. Um, it's a win they deserve. But before we get too carried away, it was against a very poor West Ham side, as much as it pains me to say that. <laughs> 
they would have been hopeful that they could then kick on from that. But now they've got Manchester City team that, that are obviously going to be looking to bounce back after a derby defeat to Manchester United. It feels like we keep going on about Manchester City's impressive attacking process. I know you've kind of quoted some of the big chances they're giving away. And if you continue to do that and make stupid challenges to give away a penalty like they did against Man United, you're, you're always going to make things more difficult for yourself. So anything but a win here, Manchester City's chances of a third successive title are really slipping away. Pinnacle thinks they'll get an easy win. I'm sure InfoGoal does as well, but... What the listeners want to know is, where's the value, Jake? Yeah, like you said, we're comfortably, um, we're, we're on Manchester City to get the win. 60, 65%, but markets around 67 so we're not as strong. And, and I think that the market is moving towards Manchester City uh, as the week goes by, partly due to the fact that everyone's looking at the uh, at the odds and they can't believe that Manchester City are around 4-9, to nine, I think, at the minute, which is, you know, sensational, really. Uh, to get them at any at that price, especially away at a struggling Arsenal team, and I am still calling them a struggling Arsenal team because, as you rightly pointed out, their win against West Ham was against West Ham, um, who are, like I said, one of the most out of form teams in, in the league at the moment, uh, one of the worst defensive sides. And you know, if you look at that, the Arsenal actually formed under par; they created just one point six two, whereas West Ham are conceding an average of two point one one. So. Um, yeah, I watched the game. I really wasn't impressed by either team. I didn't think Arsenal were really good. I just thought they took advantage of, of some poor West Ham defending. And, you know, the, the last four games that they've played, Southampton, Norwich, Brighton and West Ham, all teams in the bottom, um, six or seven, all teams that have created good chances against Arsenal and um, and all teams that, you know, they are much weaker defensively than Manchester City, even though that they, even though City have had a few issues recently. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think we should be overreacting to that West Ham defeat and, and praising Freddie Lundberg and saying that the whole thing's been turned around and Arsenal are now pointing in the right direction. I'm not bought into that at all. And I think we get a real bump back down to earth by Manchester City this weekend. Arsenal's process is still negative, 1.55 to 1.61 in terms of expected goals. So they really are not going anywhere in terms of progressing up the table. We've still got them as a mid-table side, and uh, and I think it'll stay like that for a long while until a new manager and new players come in. So. Yeah, from my perspective anyway, I, I don't see any value in going anywhere near Arsenal this weekend. Manchester City, it, it was surprising when I met the result of the, how, how 14 or something on those lines. Um, and just look at the expected goal figures for all the matches and they've actually been the better team on expected goals in all 16 of the matches this season. So um, it just shows you how unfortunate they've been. I think most of them have been by a, a minimum of 0.5 expected goal difference in their favour. So... Most of the games, Manchester City are doing enough to win the games. They're just getting a little bit of bad luck, whether it's from poor finishing, excellent goalkeeping, or the opposition scoring, um, you know, thirty-yard screamers, which we scored against saw from Newcastle the other week in the two-two draw. So I, I don't think there's any need to overreact to Manchester City and saying that they're, you know, they're finished. Like Pep Guardiola's lost it. That's a load of rubbish. Um, City still are an absolute juggernaut. They'll still rack up nearly three expected goals in this game. I, I've no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned the defensive issues. You're, you're right to do so. They actually rank as the uh, second best defensive team on expected goals against per game this season at 1.09. But you look at the big chances conceded and they've allowed um, 18 non-penalty big chances, which is middle of the road for the Premier League. And you compare that to Leicester, who, who conceded an average of 0.04 fewer expected goals against than Manchester City. And they've conceded just 12 non-penalty big chances. So... Six non-penalty big chances is quite a difference. Um, it can make all the difference over the over a full, full Premier League season, and that's sort of where Manchester City's 
Achilles heel is. Um, I don't think Arsenal will be able to take advantage of, of, of Man City in transition. I don't think the field's good enough to do that. Uh, Xhaka, Torreira, um, whoever plays in Aguendouzi, I don't think that they are technically good enough to pass through the lines of Manchester City. We saw them get completely outplayed by Brighton's midfield of um, Moy proper. Um, I think Alzate was in there. So coming up against Manchester City with De Bruyne, Gundogan, Rodri, David Silva, I have no questions that Manchester City will basically just dominate the game in the midfield. And I can see this just being a really comfortable Manchester City win. They need to make a statement at some point. And um, I think a comfortable, a heavy win at the, at the, at the Emirates would be a, a big statement. And I really wouldn't put anyone off back in Manchester City by a, a bigger margin. And they're looking at the minus one. But in terms of in terms of where Infogol's looking, we think it's going to be, like I said, a pretty comfortable win. There's value in back in under three and a half goals. So potentially a 2-0 win Manchester City or a 3-0 win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Arsenal draw a blank in this one after what we've seen recently. The market definitely can't make its mind up with this one. We had Arsenal at 6.0 early in the week. They dropped right down. They're now creeping up again at 5.88. City, as you said, on the inverse of that, they're they're quite quite high odds for, for what you'd expect. And obviously, again, we talked about it before, that that initial reaction maybe to a loss at the weekend and and people now beginning to to take note. Goals market, 3.5. As you said, again, if, if both teams kind of perform to, to their average, you can easily see that being over, but potentially value being in, in opposing it. Yeah, you look at the, the game last season, obviously with two different teams last season, but it was the very first game as well. But Manchester City went there to the Emirates and just completely had the way with Arsenal. It was a the most comfortable 2-0 win you'll ever see. Um, and I won't be surprised to see something very similar in this one. So our final game is Crystal Palace versus Brighton. And we had yet another fortunate result for Palace at the weekend. They mustered up just 0.18 XG while Watford had 1.58, but neither team managed to get on the score sheet. They've got to be a bit wired dropping down the table. And based on their current attacking process in terms of expected goals for, I was looking on the Info Goal app and their last six games read 0.38, 0.18, and 0.52, sorry. So the only time they've managed to get above one was against league leaders Liverpool. Brighton, on the other hand, they look pretty decent going forward and barring that mini blip against Manchester United and Leicester where they, they were comfortably beaten, they do look good enough at the back to maintain a, a mid-table type overall process. Palace are actually favourites here and maybe it's the home field advantage coming into play, but... But everything suggests that Brighton are the better team. So does InfoGoal agree with that or do you think the market's got it right? We think the market's pretty spot on with this one, really. Um, I think InfoGoal sees this as two teams that are pretty much evenly rated um, with the home field advantage swaying it slightly in Crystal Palace's favour. And it looks as though the market's taking the same view and uh, you know, it's, not, it's not too much of a, of a surprise. Um, you said there that obviously Crystal Palace have had their um, attacking issues recently in the last six games, but... Defensively, they've you know they've kept some very fortunate clean sheets, and I'd be very surprised if that continues in this game against the Brighton team that are very very good going forward, and they showed that at the Emirates last week. Yeah, that Crystal Palace are one of the biggest overperformers in the league right now. They, they sit tenth, but the expected position is seventeenth. They are a team that are very they're really not very good going forward, which is quite a surprise given um, you know the weapons that they have at their disposal, like likes of Zahar, Benteke when he gets a game, Townsend, Ayu, and that they're averaging just 0.99 expected goals for per game, which is you know exceptionally low. 
Uh, last season, they were, I think they were about 1.2 over the over the course of the season. So that's taken a huge dip. Um, and defensively, they're, they're allowing way more than they were last season. I think last season it was about 1.3. It's up to about 1.8 now per game. Expected goals against, that is. So Crystal Palace are a team that are trending in the wrong direction. And for me, anyway, it's just a matter of time before results start taking a turn for the worse again. Obviously, they had that losing streak when they played the better teams. And now they've had a bit of good luck when they played the the um, the, worst, the lesser teams in the Premier League, the likes of Burnley, Bournemouth and Watford. They picked up seven points from those games. And for me, anyway, it's, it's a matter of time before things start going um, going wrong for Crystal Palace and they start getting results that their performances deserve. And in contrast to that, Brighton, have they had that little mini wobble, three-game losing streak. But when you lose to Manchester United, Leicester and Liverpool, it's not really that much of a wobble. It's sort of expected. So... Um, yeah, the games against Arsenal and Wolves again, two teams that finished in the top seven last season, and they put in two really good performances. Obviously, like I said, went to the Emirates and, and won that game comfortably. Um, you know, they, they were pretty much in control of the game against Wolves when they went up to two one before uh, Property decided to gift Wolves the equaliser. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, at the start of the season, I was I was singing Graham Potter's praises, and I'll continue to do that because I think the work he's done at Brighton um, in tra- completely transforming that team. Um, is is nothing short of, of sensational, really. There's not too many changes in terms of um, players either. He's not not made a huge turnover, so he's done exactly. He's made a huge change with the same players that Chris Hutton had, and and their process just continues to get better and better week on week. They're averaging 1.5 expected goals four per game, and um, you know I can definitely see them getting on the score sheet. But defensively, they too look a little bit vulnerable. They're at 1.79 expected goals against. So you've got two teams. Facing off that are averaging one point near one point eight expected goals against per game, that would indicate chances at both ends. I think I think Brighton will try and dominate the football in this one, um, which could play into Crystal Palace's hands quite nicely with their counter-attacking um, capabilities. And I, I feel like this will probably be um, Crystal Palace approaching this game like it's an away game. Um, we've seen the, the previous home games where they've set up and they've tried to dominate the football and, and take it to teams, but I feel like this is going to be one that plays into the hands a little bit. And that's why we think we've got um, a decent bit of value in, in looking at both teams to score. I think, <clears throat> I think we've got around 56% chance of that happening. Um, 53% on the market. So there's value there. And, and the last two meetings between the two sides have both featured goals. Um, and if you want in, you know, an outside bet, I would not put anyone off back in Brighton to win this one. Like I said, Palace have been performing really poorly. Brighton have shown us what they're capable of and, they're a big price in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones that I don't think many people doubt, have it down as a, a potential thriller. Could be a bit of a dark horse and end the week on a high. Let's hope so, yeah. Well, that is, that is our, uh, that's our 10 games done for another weekend and Premier League action will soon be on its way. The games are coming thick and fast. And it won't be long before we're back again to analyse another load of fixtures. Thanks again, Jake. Hopefully this weekend will be as good as the last two. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks, Ben. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you want more information on InfoGoal, then visit InfoGoal.net, follow at InfoGoalApp on Twitter and download the app on Apple and Android. You'll find all the latest odds for game week 17 of the Premier League on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets and remember to please gamble responsibly.